0: episode 23 of your favorite podcast about all things elite welcome to all things elite i am floyd johnson newly married floyd johnson and with me is my co-hostess with the mostest the heart of this show miss amy O. how you doing
1: i am doing great i'm in a very congratulatory mood congratulations newly married one
0: well thank you thank you thank you I am very, very happy to be married uh It was a very long engagement. We actually got engaged in November of two thousand seventeen so it was a very very long engagement and i am I'm finally happy that I locked that down. I do not own her. that was not a comment about me owning her. We <laughs> lock each other down you know we we, we are in a committed. 50 50 relationship and i love it <laughs>
1: that's wonderful well it sounds like if you guys have had a long engagement that you've had a lot of time to think about it and a lot of time to plan things like how was your wedding and how was your honeymoon
0: all right yes so uh our wedding was it was great it went off she she handled no ninety five percent of it so don't give me Yeah, i mean she handled it all uh and it went off without a hitch I am when it comes to events and planning and things like that, I am a bit of a control freak. So, uh to not have control of something was a little difficult for me. And but when we got there and how everything looked, the venue was amazing and it was the best. She did an amazing job, had Olive Garden as our our food. She, we had a bunch of cake. And it was great, and she looked gorgeous, and um, so that was great. Uh, I, got, I did get to put my little Floyd uh, sw- a swag on it uh, because at the... Um, so we're there. Everybody's standing there; they're waiting, you know, for everything to start. Everybody's sitting down. I kind of, you know, no one, no one kind of knows where I'm at. I'm kind of back by the bathroom, and then Cody Rhodes' music hits. Uh, a kingdom, (laughs) a kingdom by downstate. And everybody's looking around like somebody pressed the wrong button. And here comes me from behind uh, the steps doing my intro or my love for Cody Rhodes. And I come down and uh, I come down the aisle. Everybody got a kick out of that because everybody knows how big of a wrestling fan I am. So they were like, I was a little shocked. And then I was like, well, that's appropriate. So I came down to, uh, Cody Rhodes' theme, no other theme I would come down to. And um, when that happened, and then she came, she came down to it, and we got married, did the whole lighting of the candle thing, and everything was awesome, said our amazing, said our vows to each other. I didn't cry. What? what? I thought I was. I swear, I'm kind of a crier. But I can tell you, I was sweating so hard because – I don't wear, I don't dress up very often. I was sweating so hard. I don't think I had, well, a liquid four tears, but it was, that was good. And then at the end of the wedding, which the part that I was, uh, was surprised, so the DJ, he's my guy, his name's Jerry Bostick. He uh he actually runs a World Class Revolution in uh, Oklahoma. So my DJ was a wrestling promoter, which, again, appropriate for me so when i came out he announced me and then at the end we get we get uh, we kiss and he says and then he does in his announcer voice mr and mrs floyd johnson and then hits cody's music as we walk out together and we raise our hands up and it was a good moment
1: that's amazing and so romantic and so perfect i mean seriously like okay Cody Rhodes' music, besides the fact that it's an amazing song and one of the best songs in wrestling, it's also about new eras. And for you to walk out to, both as Floyd Johnson and then with your wife, signaling a new era together that is so perfect that's amazing congratulations
0: <laughs> well, yes well thank you and the most the, the thing about it is uh, the reason i picked this song of course cody's my favorite wrestler but when cody comes out on like very rare unless he's doing something else on the show brandy's always with him and they are very much a wrestling power couple but it's not like a wrestling car couple where it's like one is clearly more popular than the other. They both bring something to their relationship. They complement each other well. they I mean, when I look at them not knowing you know the deep interpersonal workings of the relationship, they look like they have a really good relationship. So it's just like, I was like, you know what? I definitely wanted that to be the music that played uh you know and uh i thought about some other different ones i went through but that was the one i decided on because you know cody's kind of a role model of mine so that works for me i also and I, I i'm just not trying to put y'all over also love you and andy's relationship love your relationship it's just how y'all interact everything it just seems like y'all complement each other y'all are a team and that's what my whole goal with Crystal has always been to complement each other to be a team. She's strong at certain things. I'm strong at certain things. I lean on her. She leans on me. And I think I get that from both of those relationships.
1: That is the sweetest thing in the world to be able to just look at your wife and, you know, start this new life with her and look at her as your partner, as your team, even with the wedding planning, you know, and, and sort of compromising and, and stepping back a little bit and letting her shine. Like, man, I'm getting all teary and I'm just hearing about it. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, congratulations to you both. And that is absolutely wonderful that you guys came out and brought some of what makes you, you know, a part of your life there, too, with wrestling and with um, the fact that your DJ was a promoter is the coolest thing. Mm. And also Cody's music and signaling an era. That is awesome, man. Congratulations.
0: Yes. The uh, actual outgoing intro uh, where they announced do a, he did it real hard with like we won the title or whatever. And then the Cody's music. I didn't even know that was happening. That was a complete surprise. That is amazing. I thought I got my intro and I thought everything else was going to be traditional, but he hit the music and I just kind of look at her and I look at him. She's like, yeah, we talked about it before. And she surprised me that way. And it's just like, okay. And I, 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 would tell, I put it on Twitter and Cody liked it. And I was like, yeah, I, this is the perfect person for me. I have no doubt in my mind of that
1: that is just so wonderful like i'm grinning so hard (laughs) my face is gonna get stuck here well let's kick off our show man let's get into aew we've got big news of the week we've got floyd johnson getting married to his wife with a spectacular ceremony this has been a fantastic week man welcome back
0: it has but before we you know jeremy will Beat me up if I don't say it. <laughs> Got to start the show by reminding you: this episode of All Things Elite is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV, where you can get access to over four thousand hours of content from over one hundred and ten of your favorite wrestling brands uh, from countries all around the globe onto your laptop and mobile device. If you use the code Social Suplex, you get the first month free.
1: Fantastic. All right. So let's dive into what's been in the world of All Elite Wrestling this week. Of course, we have AEW announcing their weekly live TV show starting Wednesday, October 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern. This show will be at the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. Ticket sale information will be announced on Monday, July 29th on all AEW social media platforms. So Twitter, Instagram, this is probably going to be blasted by everyone on Twitter, so I'm sure you'll find it there. This is exciting. Um, From what I hear... This arena holds around 14,000 people or something like that. Now, I don't, I think this was from Meltzer's uh, coverage about it afterwards. He doesn't expect, you know, that they may may or may not be looking to fill 14,000 people, but like 8,000 would be a reasonable expectation for it. But either way, having arenas for your first show, we've been talking here, uh, my husband and I, about flying out to DC for the first show because, I mean, if you go, you get to say you were there when it kicked off, the very first show. That's literal history. What are you thinking about, man? How I will, does this sound to you? Uh,
0: it sounds amazing. I am as excited as I could possibly be. Uh, when I when we've been in line with Cody he had said it was going to be either L.A. or New York, I am actually pleasantly surprised this Washington D.C. It's like I'm very happy because I checked flights immediately. I'm literally driving back from Las Vegas, checking flights, and it's like, oh, there's a direct flight from Oklahoma City to Ronald Reagan and back. Boom! Yeah, so I'm definitely going. Uh, I uh, we, I made the I made the decision before that no matter where it was that first week of TV. I needed to be there for it. It's actually going to be my last wrestling trip of the year. Gotta uh, start. Gotta start saving up to get ready for two thousand twenty. Two thousand nineteen's been amazing, but yeah, it's like it's been enough. <laughs> I've yeah. done it. I mean, because it'll be like Chicago, Vegas, or Chicago, Vegas, Washington D.C. You know, I was in New York for Mania and stuff. It's like I've done a lot this year. But it's it, it's, at, it's at some point you have to say, okay, that's enough for this year.
1: Yeah, and honestly, like the first AEW show is a pretty good point for that to be. I mean, this is going to be so exciting. And Washington, D.C. is gorgeous this time of year. I went there once, and it's like fall hits. It's so gorgeous. You have trees of all different colors. And you know, I'm I'm sure people are probably laughing because trees change colors when it's fall, but when you live in a desert that doesn't happen. So it's very <laughs> exciting to see it when it does, mm-hmm. and I'm really really looking forward to it. Really excited about this. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they did sell this out because again, this is going to be a literal piece of history, just like double or nothing was with their first pay-per-view, having their first weekly kickoff show is going to be awesome and i cannot wait to see what they have in store for it i hear and you can correct me if i'm wrong on this i hear that it's going to be a two-hour show is that correct
0: yep 8 8 p.m eastern to 10 p.m eastern on tnt uh they will be rated tv 14 and i'm looking forward to all of that um i've never been to washington dc i think I mean, like, when we drove to Brooklyn once, you know, from Oklahoma to Brooklyn, I don't think we passed through it. Uh, So, I've never been there. This will be my first experience, another first when it comes to AEW. The first time I ever went to Chicago was for a Bullet Club Pro Wrestling Tees meet and greet. So, I've pretty much saw a couple places that I had never been before, pretty much followed Cody has taken me there, you know, and the, to Cody and the crew's taking me there. So, I'm looking forward to Washington, D.C., uh, me, and All Elite Tiffany. She will definitely be there also. So, we are looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, oh, man, it's going to be a blast. Uh, All right, so yeah. let's take a look at some of the rest of the news that we have dropping this week. We've got MJF signs an extension for his contract with All Elite Wrestling, making it a 5 year contract now this makes a world of sense because mjf is one of the best wrestlers that they have in aew right now if and honestly i'm gonna say probably the best heel in wrestling at all right now so to lock this guy in is absolutely a great move he is aew to me i mean if you look at the roster at this point aew doesn't make sense to me without mjf in it so, of course, having him lock this down for a five-year contract um, makes a lot of sense. But it also is a great sign that they are, of course, looking at a long-term picture with who they want five years from now.
0: And he's the best character in the company to yes. me. Because yes. when it looks like, you know, you have a lot of great, or, you know, you have a lot of wrestling. and But sometimes in... The, to me in wrestling in general, sometimes we lack characters. And his character is so good. It is like he's so bad at being just like this horrible person that he's really, <laughs> really good at it. And it's just, of course, with all things, you know, you course, with the elite and how much we love them, you needed someone to boo. And he yes. has filled that role. Better than anyone, because even Chris Jericho, as great as he is, probably one you know the goat. uh, As great as he is, he has a hard time getting booed in this audience, Mm
1: because
0: a lot of people only some of the people only know who Chris Jericho is. So you can insult him, and they're going to cheer you because he's reached that level where it doesn't matter if he's heel or face. So you needed someone that could really be heel, and MJF is that. He is the number one heel in that place. I, I, I do love Sean Spears, his becoming that. And it's just like they need people that you can boo. And him signing a five year deal, what's significant is he has the longest contract in the company. Everyone else has three year deals. He has a five year deal. That means he is a cornerstone. He is a piece. He is going to be a main eventer going forward.
1: That just means he can say he's better. Than <laughs> yes, yes. He's like,
0: everybody's <laughs> only got three-year contracts. I got five I'm because then I'm you. better than you.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned Sean Spears. So that leads directly into this next announcement, which was uh Sean Spears had been teasing that he had an ace up his sleeve in his feud with Cody Rhodes in the road to All Out. Turns out that ace up his sleeve is actually one of the four horsemen totally... Blanchard, and he has a multi appearance deal with AEW appearing as Sean Spears's manager in this feud. Floyd, I am sure that you are going to have a lot to say about this because I'm not as familiar with the four horsemen specifically. I obviously know who they are. I know their impact on wrestling. They've had a finger in every bit of wrestling that we see today and have inspired so many people of our generation. But I'm more familiar with Tully Blanchard at this point as Tessa's dad, which (laughs) is also really awesome. Tell me a bit about Tully Blanchard and can you let us know what you can maybe expect to see out of this influence of such a legendary figure on someone like Sean Spears and how that might impact Cody Rhodes in this feud heading into All Out?
0: I am so excited about this. Tully Blanchard, great part of, I mean, like a huge part of my childhood. The uh, Four Horsemen, huge part of my childhood. Uh, it was like one of the things where, you know, you had this group, and it was so, they were, I wouldn't call, they were almost like a boy band, but they were, they were men and super sophisticated, all had their own uh, type of, own uh, type of characters, and Tully Blanchard was the playboy, playboy in ring technician. He was the second generation wrestler. His dad was Joe Blanchard. He, he, you know, he was one of those people. You know, he had a punchable face. Is what a lot of. A wrestling pundit say i didn't even think of him when i was young i just thought he was just like one of the coolest person people on the planet because rick flair strutted but tully blanchard strutted a different way rick flair had women but tully blanchard had a woman you know what i'm saying it was just he was like they were almost him and flair were kind of carbon copies of each other flair a little bit more charismatic Tully Blanchard was definitely the in ring guy. He was the more cerebral guy. You know, he was just he wouldn't say a lot, but you, he would definitely be the action. Him and Arn Anderson had a great tag team, uh, for a lot of years. They were also the brain busters in the WWF. Uh when it comes to being a ring general, you like if they had ring general and they needed a pitcher definition and in Webster's it would be tully Blanchard. he he was always where he was supposed to be he's consummate professional so definitely uh definitely a big get uh old school when it came to wrestling um old wrestlers would end up becoming managers, especially if you were good on the mic and you helped in the back and all that kind of stuff. So this is a throwback to that going to get Tully Blanchard as your manager, someone who has done it before, someone that has been successful. And especially with Sean Spears being the WWE 10 guy, I'm not using that. That's what a lot of people refer to him as. Tully Blanchard going to give Sean Spears the rub He's going to bring Sean Spears even more. That chair shot elevated Sean Spears, but having Tully Blanchard in his uh, in his corner makes him a threat. It makes him a legitimate threat. Tully Blanchard is going to give uh, all of, all of his years of experience. One of the uh, matches that Tully is known for, uh, is, I think, believe he had a, uh, I Quit match with Magnum T A. And then he had a first blood match with Dusty, I believe. If I'm incorrect on any of those things, I please please but I believe that's what uh they had and it's just like so he had a long standing feud with Dusty Rhodes. Uh so to continue that feud uh, you know, with Sean Spears against Cody Rhodes, it's it this is what Cody does. He he does really good job of taking things from the past and making them relevant as far as feuds and everything, making them relevant to today. So, people that don't know who Sean Spears is, you know, like older fans that are like, what's this AEW stuff? Oh, he has Tully Blanchard in his- Oh, I remember Tully Blanchard. I'm going to look at him. That makes Sean Spears more of a threat. Cody Rhodes, of course, has the Rhodes name, so everyone's going to give him a look based on that. So all of this comes together really, really well. Uh, with Tully being Sean's guy, I don't know if they – I mean, maybe Tully does the stable thing. You know, Heenan used to have – Four or five people, Jimmy Hart, that's how they did it in the WWF. I don't know where they're going with it, but I'm looking forward to finding out because Tully is is a name in wrestling. He's a big name in wrestling to anybody that watched wrestling in the 80s.
1: Exactly. So you mentioned that, you know, having Tully Blanchard in Sean Spears' corner kind of elevates him. And and I absolutely think it does. You have somebody who's a legendary figure of that old school in a similar way that Jim Ross is a legendary figure in commentary for old school wrestling. And I think that this really elevates him Sean Spears as a credible threat against Cody, but also kind of in a larger-than-life way. And you have this, you know, for for somebody who who says that they want to uh, get rid of the Attitude Era or overcome the Attitude Era, this isn't Attitude Era stuff, but this is old-school dynamics. You've got Dusty Rhodes' influence and spirit involved in this, and you've got Tully Blanchard wrapped up in this too, and I cannot wait to see what they do with Tully Blanchard, how he impacts Sean Spears, and also whether this psychologically has a negative impact on Cody Rhodes. Is he going to have somebody seconding him in this match? I have no idea, but I cannot wait to find out how they fight through this match and how they use the dynamics between old school and new school wrestling in order to battle this out.
0: Yeah, and I only got two points to add to that. First of all, I've heard rumors, and my it was my first thought when I thought of Tully Blanchard. I was like, well, Cody's going to come out with Arn Anderson. I, I'm pretty sure what I've learned is They give you what you want, but not quite exactly what you want. So it might end up being a different person. Maybe he does stick with the Diamond Dallas page, who has always been somewhat of a mentor to him, or a Glacier or someone. But I just always, you know, my first thought was to go to Arn Anderson, which is, you know, he's Uncle Arn. He's everybody's Uncle Arn. That's just how it works. And um, it gives Cody his first blood feud, his first hate, you know, uh, the thing with Nick Aldis, and, and I'm talking about the shows that they've run. Uh, the thing with Nick Aldis, it was just it was about the NWA title. The thing about with Dustin, it wasn't really a blood feud. It was just like, you know what? We've always wanted to do this. We want to just see who's better. That's great. Darby Allen. we're going to elevate a younger guy. But this is a true blood feud from Cody. This is going to be a true. You're going to get to see how it is when Cody hates someone. And honestly, in his independent run, he's had a lot of, you know, he's had a lot of matches for titles and things like that. But he hasn't really had that feud, that hate feud, where it's like, oh, we got to do this in a street fight. We got to do this in this way because we literally, at this point, in wrestling terms, hate each other. So we'll get to see a different dynamic of the Cody Rhodes' character. Because, you know, Sean Spears is just trying to basically use his name to be famous. But Cody Rhodes is going to definitely take this personal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see how this goes. Because we did start to see something like that in New Japan with his Bullet Club feud with Kenny Omega. But due to booking decisions, they had to sort of change direction on that. And they never really got the final payoff match that they wanted to with it. So I, it's going to be really fun to see Cody Rhodes have to fight that kind of match where he has to get gritty and he has to dig into that anger and that frustration. And again, that need to prove himself here. And I think this is going to be really awesome to see. Yeah. Um, Let's hit it. Oh, sorry. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add to
0: it? I was just going to say, adding on to what you're saying, and it sets the precedent that AEW uses wrestling logic, which means any few can come from anywhere because, like I said, this they took a small thread and made this a big thing, which is what wrestling has always been. And it's kind of gotten away from that. So I, I do like that part. Now I am.
1: Yes. Back. Yeah, no, I'm a sucker for good storytelling, and this is good storytelling. All right, so we uh, talked a little bit about Dave Meltzer. He gave a report that AEW plans to run about 100 to 120 live events per year, and this, I believe, includes around four pay-per-views. Uh, 51 television shows and several Saturday night house shows with rotating talent. What are your thoughts on that kind of schedule? I believe the focus that they have, and of course, this is uh, roundabout figures because it's coming from Dave Meltzer. And of course, they need to iron things in once they get with their TNT schedule. But it looks like they are sticking to uh, the point that they wanted to make, which was rotating their talent out. And not putting in too much of a demanding schedule where they're away from their families for too long, but also so that they can rest, they can recharge, and we can recharge in seeing them too.
0: Yeah, I've actually, I, I'm going to limit my thoughts because I actually have a lot of thoughts. First of all, this is brilliant to me. I think this is perfect. It was like when WWE. And, I, and I'm not comparing what's kind of oversaturating the market. And they, they split Raw and SmackDown. They were doing a Raw pay-per-view a month, a SmackDown pay-per-view a month. And it was just too much. And this is what we've always, like, as far as the wrestling fans, they, they, like, passionate wrestling fans that really, really, like, care about how the wrestlers' livelihoods are and everything like that. This is what we've wanted. This makes sense. It's just like you're going to see them once a week. You're going to see them once a week on TV. I mean, or 51 weeks a year. I think they're going to take the Christmas week off, which makes makes perfect sense. You're going to get the four big shows that you can either fly out to, drive out to, or whatever. And then, when a house show is in your area, you know you can go to the house show. And it, it, it and if they rotate the wrestlers, that's going to keep them all fresh, which you're going to get higher quality product because wrestlers are going to be fresh and they're not going to literally hate their life. So, I enjoy this. I think this is perfect. i I I was like I like I said I've wanted WWE to do this especially when they brand split. I was like why do they need a pay-per-view every month? I always said if you deal it every each pay each one had every other month and they were actually rotating, it would make more sense. And I also said forever. When you have a huge roster, why not use it? Why not? Okay, we don't need all 70 of you here on this random Saturday night. will not we take 30, yeah, 20 to 30, put on a really good house show, and then the other 30 people can be at home resting, healing, doing their uh, self-care so they can continue to be successful and can put on the highest quality product every time they're out there.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, with the spacing apart of their pay-per-views, that also adds to the ability to rotate their roster out even more. One of the things that I find a little um, frustrating at times is that, you know, when we have very frequent pay-per-views, you often have the same sort of top people who are in the pay-per-views. In the weekly shows that are building up to those pay-per-views. So it really kind of just feels like you're seeing the same people over and over and over again with just a few people in the background doing opening matches. So if you space out your pay-per-views, not only do you actually get to see and get to know and get to care about more of the roster and really feel invested in them, but you also get to build up storylines with a significant impact that pay off. At a pay-per-view and i have to say that's something that i really miss in watching wrestling i remember being a teenager and watching these long storylines as they would draw out kind of like a soap opera over each week and then by the time the pay-per-view would come it would be this huge explosive release of that storyline whether it would resolve it or turn it into a new direction or whatever the case may be but it felt like it was something special and it felt like it had an impact And I think that in some cases we're losing that right now with too much saturation. So it'll be really interesting to see how they play to these schedules and what their plans are for those uh, long-term booking decisions.
0: Yep. You have so many main eventers on your roster. Kenny Kenny Omega versus one of your other guys can main event a house show. You could have the tag belts main event a house show. You could have Cody main event a house show. He doesn't need a title to main event. He's a big enough draw on his own. It's just like they have the talent there that can put on performances. And then in the undercard, you can get private party more work. You can get, get everyone more familiar with who Darby Allen is for people who aren't. And I'm just like throwing out names, but, you know, Jack Evans and, and Helico. you know, people that might not be on the TV every week can definitely be featured on that house show on Saturday night.
1: You know, I just had a thought speaking of house shows, you know, Joey Ryan runs bar wrestling and they've worked really closely with Joey Ryan. I wonder when they do these smaller house shows, um, they have such a rich history with the Indies and they've spoken very highly of those relationships of the memories of working in the Indies and really in putting the Indies over in the buildup to their kickoff shows with AEW, I wonder if they're going to be using some of those relationships and smaller venues to have some of those shows. Because just imagining thinking about being at a bar wrestling show in Southern California and seeing Kenny Omega <laughs> at a house show is really amazing to think about. I wonder if they're going to start utilizing some of those resources and relationships for it.
0: And That would be so smart uh, because when you look at – each, each how this works in each end of, uh in the indie company a lot of fans are fans of their indie company and they don't they might not watch wwe they might not watch new japan because or they might watch not watch aew because they're trying to stay loyal to their company but when they see aew is doing what they can to work with those companies and lift them up you know you're going to get different fans that way so it is absolutely v- uh, grassroots, you know, very much a grassroots type of thing. And I, I completely agree. It would make sense bar wrestling, I believe, like VIP wrestling in Dallas, maybe worked with reality wrestling in Houston, any of those uh, companies out there, A.A.W. And it's just me throwing off the top of my head. Of course, it seems like they're going to be doing stuff with House of Glory. So, you know, it would just make sense to help build their fan base. And a lot of people, as much as in our little world, in our circle, everyone knows what AEW is. A lot of people outside of our circle probably have never heard of any of these people.
1: Yeah. And seeing them at an indie show, you know, a house show, if, if they're indie fans and they go and support, you know, their local wrestling, being able to see something like that is a really fun treat, I think for everyone involved and it doesn't detract negatively either. I think you hit the nail on the head there when you said that it really builds them up because that's certainly in my mind what it did for bar wrestling. Bar wrestling, suddenly, you know, SCU's going out there, Young Bucks are going out there and I'm like, hey, what's bar wrestling? And then I'm suddenly seeing their flyers on my Twitter feed constantly and I'm like, dang, their shows look fun. They look awesome. If I find myself in SoCal, I'm going to go to a bar wrestling show. So I think you're right in the sense that it does elevate while giving them a space to have these smaller scale house
0: shows, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm really looking forward to whatever they do with these house shows because what they, I mean, what it, what we found is you'll have an idea of exactly what you think they're going to be, and then they're going to do it, and they're going to do it generally better. They're going to put their own take on it, and it's going to be a little bit better. And you know, the bucks, this is indie wrestling, is what they do. House shows is what they do, you know, matches and shows where it's like might not have anything to do with the greater storyline. They are very good at uh, entertaining in that way. And, you know, if they do the whole thing where the lead or whatever come out to the ring after the show and they get everybody fired up and play games like they did when they were in ROH, man, that would be a once, you know, that would be a unique experience to TV and pay-per-view.
1: Absolutely. Well, since we're on a track of kind of speculation, let's get into Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega was recently on a podcast, the J Podcast, with Alex Jebele and Michael Nakazawa. He was talking about, among many other things, of course, including video games and kind of just background life of him and Michael and and Alex Jebele, um, they were talking about the Joshi wrestling scene, how fond he is of the women wrestlers that they've pulled in with AEW, that they've signed. And during a Q&A session at the end of this podcast, uh, he was asked about whether he would wrestle any Japanese male wrestlers in the future. And he picked up on the intention of this question, which, of course, People loved Kenny Omega in New Japan, and people have really wanted a relationship between New Japan and AEW, especially considering that Moxley is in the G1. As of right now, that does not seem to be in the cards and is completely off the table, besides a few specific situations with Moxley, with Jericho, and potentially with Kenny Omega. That said... He picked up on the intention of this question, which was, I think I know what you are asking. And to answer that question, yes, you will see Japanese male wrestlers in the future. Now, that was very interesting because, of course, people were like, oh, my gosh, who could it possibly be? But he also spent a lot of time talking about his DDT experience, which he has with Michael Nakazawa, too. So... It'll be really interesting to see Kenny Omega clearly has his eye on Japan, not just New Japan, but in Japan in general. And I'm really curious to see if there are any people in particular that he might be thinking of bringing over into AEW and what, you know, those matches could look like.
0: Yeah, that would that would definitely be interesting. I can say I am when it comes to Japanese wrestling. I'm new. I'm a New Japan guy. Uh, Like, that's all I know. It's like I know there's Big Japan, All Japan, uh, Noah. I know there's a lot of different other companies, but I know New Japan. Like I know the roster of New Japan. I know the storylines. So I don't know who else they could bring in. It's like I, could, if me, even me talking about those other uh, any other people names, it would just be me just like saying names. Like, I don't know, I don't know a lot about that. I don't know what they bring to it, if they're good or anything like that. I just like, I listen to uh, the voices of wrestling flagship and they talk a lot about the other companies in Japan. And I'm like, okay, I know names. I am, I know enough to be familiar, but I I'm excited because Kenny Omega is one of those guys that can put on great matches with anyone. So if you do use different talent that people might not know in Japan, you know, you can use them to get over here, and it's like everybody's always like they want the AEW New Japan relationship, but what about an AEW Dragon Gate or AEW uh, AEW Noah or some other relationship with other Japanese wrestling companies that probably need the exposure in America more than New Japan. New Japan's doing fine with their American exposure. They don't really need that up but there's a lot of japanese companies that do need that hand up
1: absolutely and kenny omega i mean when you look at his career and how varied it has been and also how f- focused in japan it has been he lived there for over 10 years spoke the language really got into a lot of different promotions i mean just given the insight that he has with the joshi wrestling scene with ddt with new japan of course um, it'll be really interesting to see who he brings over and I will put full faith in the fact that whoever he does think is somebody that, yes, we need to have this person. That person is going to put on some spectacular matches, have a great unique style and going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, because even with Nakazawa, I was not very familiar. I wouldn't want I'd say not very, I was not familiar at all with him. And he is a very entertaining, comedic wrestler. I find what he does, it's fresh to me because I'm not tired of it. I haven't been watching it for years. It's fresh to me and it's hilarious. And he entertains and he adds to the card as opposed to, you know, if you bring someone in that we've already seen before might not do that as well. So the fact that Michael not because I was fresh, I believe Rio was one of his signings. She's fresh and she's super talented. So I think whoever he's bringing in will be fresh. They will be talented and they will be, they will entertain.
1: Absolutely. All right. Speaking of fresh, new, interesting people, we've got CM Punk. He is doing a meet and greet at StarCast on Saturday morning and afternoon. In between, he will be doing a stage show. I believe this also involves a Q&A. Tickets are limited, but still available at $149 before taxes and fees. Now, of course, when CM Punk was announced for Starcast, everyone was posting the Cody listening gif. Everyone was, oh my God, CM Punk, AEW confirmed. But there's been a lot of sort of back and forth between CM Punk and AEW in the news. CM Punk um, was at a pro wrestling tease meet and greet during all in where StarCast first originated and kicked off.
0: I, and was, I was at that meet and greet.
1: I was wondering if that was the one that you were mentioning. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he was there and people were like, Oh wow. Okay. Maybe he's going to return to wrestling. And it seems like anytime CM Punk is anywhere near wrestling, that people want him back immediately and people think that he is going to come to aew now cm punk has been very emphatic about saying that he is completely done with wrestling at the same time however he has also been very sly and sort of underhanded with his comments saying things like well if they would have uh, offered me a real contract then maybe I would consider it. And then he moved to the goalpost saying, okay, well, if they would have approached me directly instead of doing it over email and text, then maybe I would consider it. Cody Rhodes today was asked whether CM Punk would be joining AEW. Cody Rhodes responded, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the tweet right in front of me, but that they have reached out to him They have long wanted to have him join AEW. Tony Khan, of course, had mentioned that CM Punk was one of the first people that he wanted to sign. And that the ball is in his court, but that he doesn't think that he will be joining AEW. Instead, Cody Rhodes said that he would probably be more likely to join WWE. What are your thoughts on CM Punk possibly joining WWE
0: <laughs> so,
1: or AEW? So we did, a little, we,
0: we did a little talking, setting up the show before. And I was like, after this, uh, Hangman also posted a picture, uh, uh, posted a tweet. And he was trying to be funny. It was a very good attempt at humor where he basically says, Matt, I, I know I loved your idea about BTE, but I think it was unprofessional for you to send it over a text. And that was a shot at something CM Punk had said that, you know, he got texted an offer and he wanted a a face-to-face. So we're getting a lot of interaction between the wrestlers of AEW and CM Punk, which to me, it makes it extremely more likely, in my opinion, that he is going to be in AEW. Like I said, I'm 99% sure. Now, I could be 99% wrong. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I can, but I just feel like, if he really wasn't going to be in it he would do every. they would do everything they can not to say his name not like not yeah. like not like in the WWE asshole way it's just like when someone brings in CM Punk <laughs> uh he's not into he's not interested and move on at that point the fact that they, they they're making it like uh this is Cody Rhodes' quote uh tweet i just happened to have it up he said i think he was misquoted I know one of us had met with him in person. Yes, I text him plenty when we can connect on the actual phone, but not a contracted offer. I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to the WWE. Regardless great wrestler and guy, doors open if he wants it. It to me if you think if you're like you take that tweet and you listen, you play it in your head in Cody's voice, it's very similar to the Sean Spears thing. It's like I'm going to say all this good stuff I'm going to take this small dig. Great guy. Great wrestler.
1: (laughs) You know, I hadn't looked at it that way, (laughs) but you're totally right.
0: Absolutely. um, I looked at it
1: as like when they were talking about whether or not they would be going to WWE, you know, when they were like, will we go to WWE? I don't know. Maybe we'll just do our own thing. I don't know. Meanwhile, you knew for sure that they were going to start their own company the whole time, and they're still like, well, we might go to WWE. It totally felt like that, because, dude, CM Punk, if he's returning to wrestling, he's not going to go to the WWE. Like, no.
0: And, <laughs> so- I mean, I was going to say, it would, probably, it would probably be the richest contract in wrestling history if somehow he was to go to WWE. I just don't, you know, I don't think he would. I don't even think he would consider it. I don't even think, honestly, the door is open on the other end. <laughs> He's talked so much crap about the WWE. <laughs> He's just like how it's a miserable place and it made him hate wrestling to oh my God, he would get booed right. so hard if he showed up in the WWE.
1: I don't know though, dude, like the second you hear cult of personality, regardless and, and of where you are, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to lose their mind.
0: Everything's forgiven. I mean it's yeah. <laughs> like like so yeah. If he, like I said, he could play music, come out and like beat the crap out of Cody. And I'm just, am I'm gonna mark out like crazy. I'm not gonna want it to happen, but oh my god, it's CM Punk. He's back in <laughs> wrestling. Yes. He's one of those yeah. people. He left you know how they say leave them wanting more? He is the one hundred percent personification of that. Because I don't think any wrestler has ever left that people, like, non-injury, like, left, and people wanted them back more than, uh, you know, a chant for dissatisfaction at TV shows is CM Punk. <laughs> it's just like, he, whenever he goes back, whatever, if he comes back, he is going to be God-level. I don't think he will, pro wrestling teams won't be able to keep their merchandise in, so... I, I if he could do that with AEW, it would be great. Like I said, I I am very I was very bitter because the January that he didn't show up was the January before WrestleMania thirty. That was my uh that was my WrestleMania going back. I had taken a long break from going to WrestleMania and I was going back for WrestleMania thirty and the person I wanted to meet, the thing I wanted to see is I was going back for CM Punk. And He basically quit before then, you know, you know, for his personal reasons. I completely understand it now. I had all I had for years. I had been bitter about it. You know, it's like, dude, if you want to wrestle, you wrestle. That's my big thing. It's like you want to wrestle, you wrestle. I'm like, there's a hundred other companies. You want to wrestle, you wrestle. But the anticipation he has built by not wrestling. Oh, my God. If he shows up in the door, everything is forgiven. We're good.
1: Dude, he is the epitome of hard to get. Five years.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Five years people have been chanting his name and wanting him. Like, that is insane. And you're right. I don't think anyone has garnered that much focus and attention and desire to have them back into a ring. And for me personally, like, I'm like, okay, dude, you want to wrestle? Great. You don't want to wrestle? great like i'm just kind of sick and tired of the whole like will he won't he oh i don't know at the same time though dude he comes out that music hits i'm going to be losing my freaking mind with everybody else because it will be a moment it will be amazing and i think that given the fact that the pace has been building up with cody talking about it today with cm punk talking about it last week with Hangman Page talking about it, and I'm pretty sure they will have a BTE bit about it. I think that there's something to that. It's going to be really interesting. And at this point, I mean, if you thought it was bad at All all Out with people expecting CM Punk to be there, dude, if that dude doesn't show up after all of this, (laughs) or at All Out, rather, like, oh my gosh, they're building something with it, and it'll be really interesting to see if he's there.
0: Yeah, it's like Double or Nothing was... In Las Vegas. John Moxley is from Las Vegas. And he debuted yep. in Las Vegas. Now it's in Chicago. CM Punk's in Chicago. CM Punk's working with Starcast, which is separate from AEW. I got quotes up <laughs> in the air. Uh separate from <laughs> AEW.
1: totally separate
0: from totally AEW.
1: Separate
0: yes. And it's like and really and it's kind of funny. Like pro wrestling teams and Starcast You know, Pro Wrestling Tees is that, StarCast, but they kind of stay away from each other. Even Pro Wrestling Tees put out, you know, you can still get tickets to see CM Punk. So, the fact is, it's like, how y'all not, you're all one. You know what I mean? AEW, StarCast, Pro Wrestling Tees are kind of all together. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's funny that they try to, you know, some people, I know Pro Wrestling Tees doesn't, but... Starcast definitely tries to say we're a separate entity and i'm like you're a separate entity with the whole aew roster doing meet and greets at your show
1: and only running your shows at aew shows yes
0: (laughs) only running your shows at aew and now you got cm punk the ultimate kid now i can say and this is 100 how how i understand it punk when he does meet and greets he doesn't like to leave chicago so if he was going to do a meet-and-greet, this would be the ones that he does. All the meet-and-greets he does are already in Chicago. So this all lines up with his normal behavior. He, I mean, this is what he does. I think it was like Ace Comic-Con or something like that. I forgot what the Comic-Con in Chicago does that he does. He does do uh signing there. So when he does a signing, it is in Chicago. Well, like I said, the back and forth makes me think something's happening. I don't know if they're just working us and wanting us to believe something's going to happen. But, yeah, I think I think Punk walks through that door. And I don't know if he gets physical, but he he's definitely going to be there.
1: Well, they better hit that damn music, dude.
0: Dude, <laughs> that music. You
1: better, you better throw all the money at the rights for that uh, song. Yes. I don't care how much it costs. You yeah, got right. it? Yes. Throw that con money and yeah. develop this cult of personality.
0: Oh my God, it's, it's, it's the, like, I, I was, uh, you know, Cody hitting the throne was a bullet to, you know, bullet or a shot fired at WWE, as much as anybody want to say anything. Then Moxley showing up at their first big show, shot fired towards WWE. And you're looking at this show, you're like, where is the shot fired towards the WWE going to be? And I'm not saying everything that they do is going to be about WWE. It won't be. But they do like to get their digs in. The guy Mm -hmm. that WWE that couldn't sign, CM Punk showing up, that's like a cannonball towards the WWE. That's not a shot. That is that's a that's a bomb. (laughs) You know, it's like oh my god, it's it's a pipe bomb. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's it's a pipe bomb in Chicago. (laughs) In Chicago, he comes out. You know, that that just be crazy.
1: Absolutely agreed, man. All right, so we got one last little bit of news before we dive into Floyd's exceptional coverage Mm -hmm. of Being the Elite Recaps, and that is AEW has partnered with Live Source, which is an app that runs sweepstakes and auctions for experiences and memorabilia. The reason why we're bringing this up today is because I saw something about this come across my Twitter feed, and I was like, what in the world is this? I went to allelitewrestling.com just to look at news for the week and saw that they had two articles about this partnership. So that's why we're talking about it. And they are currently running sweepstakes for tickets to All Out. So if you are hoping to score a chance to see All Out, then I would suggest downloading live source it's free and checking out their sweepstakes because you could win tickets to see all out floyd i am knocking this over to your court
0: yes i'm also uh looking forward to uh they also have it where you can win uh like the referee's shirt Dave, i mean earl shirt that's got cody and uh dustin's blood on it they have you can win that (laughs) And uh, I forgot what the other thing. Oh, yeah. It was John Moxley's jacket. You can win that. Oh, from my, my
1: God. That would be amazing. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Before you start talking about Be The Elite, if any of our listeners happen to win John Moxley's jacket, please tag us in it because I need to see this. I need yes. to see the photo. I need to see somebody completely thrilled and ecstatic and exuberant rocking this jacket because that is amazing.
0: Yeah, if if I, if I I was like if I was to win that referee shirt, I would lose weight so I could wear it all the time.
1: <laughs> here, here, I am I,
0: I am quite a bit larger than Earl Hebner, unfortunately. <laughs> but we got two weeks of shows to catch up on. You, what I went ahead and did is just took out the highlights from each show that I thought were funny. So if I miss anything, I'm sorry. I didn't think it was as funny as you did. Uh, so, uh, so from the seven fourteenth episode of VTE, it's backstage of Fighter for the Fallen. They showed the Bucks at the Jacksonville Football Stadium. They hope to do their show there one day. Their math was a little weird because they said it should hold sixty-seven thousand. It's like with the stage, you know, it'll hold sixty thousand. But I'm like, you have to remember, the whole football field is available for <laughs> people. So it's probably still going to hold about 67,000, you know, parts of the field where you wouldn't normally put people, you would put people because, you know, you wouldn't want a big gap around the ring or whatever, unless they're thinking something I'm not thinking they are. They are smarter than me. At least one of them went to college. Uh, looks <laughs> like they are setting up a few between Sammy G and Brandon Lee Cutler because every time Brandon Colors around Sammy G, Sammy G takes a shot and calls him a nerd. And and he basically uh, this one was funny when he's like, Well, you know what? I'm gl- your wife's doing the costume thing. You're doing the production thing. So when wrestling doesn't work out for you, you have that to fall back on. I thought I always think his digs, Sammy G's digs, are the best. Like, he is one of those people, he's a heel, but he does it in such a shitty way. You almost hate him more than MJF. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sammy, stop being so mean. It's yes, not that. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes, yes. It's like, I mean, MJF at least forward with it. Sammy does it in a way where he's kind of complimenting you by making you feel really bad about yourself, too. We see a picture of B a priestly, making their entrance. And it was just like, like I said, she's a star. But that, that i I wanted to put this in there because of the still the reaction that she came when she got out there. It's just like you didn't I don't didn't think a lot of people knew who B Priestley was. I knew I was introduced to her as will Osprey's girlfriend. then I you know caught what matches I could from her, and I thought she was awesome, but yeah, it's like even that reaction still surprises me. uh then we got Leva, she loves the librarian gimmick, Peter Avalon hates it. Uh I wanted to put this in here because I was trying to explain to my friend Dave. My dear friend Dave, uh my friend Dave is a very intelligent person. He is a librarian and he absolutely hates this character. And he's like, cuz it's not what we do and that's all people think we do. And I was like, okay. Well, if you watch BTE, which and which I tried I sent him a couple clips. This it's supposed to suck. This is supposed to be a horrible <laughs> gimmick. It is, it's an irony thing. It is, it's supposed to be a WWE gimmick that doesn't work, that they're kind of making fun of, and people are supposed to hate it. That's the joke. Once I told him that, he understood. He's like, oh, and I was like, yeah, the joke is, it's really, really bad. So it's funny when I'm listening to other podcasts, because I do listen to other AEW podcasts, and they're talking about how bad the gimmick is. I'm like, you don't get it. It's supposed to be bad. It's like scratching your nails across the chalkboard. It's bad. It's it's supposed to be bad. <laughs> it's like so. Okay. Uh, then we got the Lucha Bros challenging the Bucks to a ladder match. We'll talk about that more later. Uh, SCU gets pissed off at the Lucha Bros for attacking them with a ladder. They say they no longer respect the Lucha Bros, and SCU literally has no fucks given. So, it looks like if you're going based on that, the, the AEW doesn't throw crap out there for no reason. It looks like the Lucha Bros, win or lose, their next feud is probably going to be with SCU. and then Yes. We sh- <laughs> yes. That's going to be awesome. Right? Because, you know, Scorpio Sky is, like I said, he's one of those people that I look at and I'm like, I see as part of the future of the company, and he'll get to work with them. And it's just like they always, whoever they're wrestling with, they... They pushed them to go to that next level, which is awesome. Uh, So I would love to see them going to that next level. Uh, Hey, man, getting staples. uh, They show that part. He's like, can't you just super glue it? And I was like, it was funny because it was such a real moment. You know, you you don't want staples. You know, you don't want uh, stitches. If they can just super glue it shut and keep going, that's even better. Uh, Then they show him attacking Jericho. And uh, then the last part, which is... Uh, which was the emotional part is you show the Bucks they're over in the corner. Cody and the Cody and Dustin are sitting next sitting next each other, kind of pissed off, and they's like we were just doing it all in the spirit of competition. Basically, we were needling you so we can get the best out of you, and they did get the best. And it was funny. It was like Dustin like, "How's your arm?" You know, he said it hurts. He's like, "Good." <laughs> oh no he said I'm sorry about that in the word of the worst apology ever I'm sorry about that so they didn't then, they then give them slices of pizza and they get it seems like they get over it then on the next episode of vt Escalera de la Muerta that is Ladder of Death that's from what I understand it is if I, I did Google Translate Ladder of Death uh so we get a skit making fun of librarian gimmick convincing Man. So if you didn't get that this was irony and that the thing is supposed to suck, this one was like boom, laying it out for you. You're not supposed to enjoy this gimmick. Peter Ga Avalon goes into the room and he's talking to the Stooges who are the EVPs and he basically says, I can't even see with these glasses on. Uh you know, this librarian gimmick is stupid. And of course, if you ever listen to a John Moxley Vince McMahon interview and his impression of him, basically they just did that. They said this was good <laughs> shit. Uh, he's like, he's like, I'm basically playing an idiot, which is what Dean Ambrose said. And he's like, no, you have to be smarter to play an idiot. And then, <laughs> and then he's like, you know, you know, this is how you're gonna make it here. And he's like, well, Peter Avalon's, well, I'll keep doing it. It was pretty much like if you listen to Dean Ambrose's either one of his interviews it was basically an interaction between him and missing man played out for the librarian character, like almost word for word, how he described it. Um, then. Um, so at that point, uh, one of the uh, studio skits uh, sneezes and he's like, how dare you sneeze? Only Mark sneeze. You get that shit under control. Again, another thing from Vincent man. So this wasn't subtle at all. This is. Straight making fun of Vince McMahon all the way. Uh, Then they continued something they've been doing over a few weeks, where people not noticing Marco's stunt. Uh, This time uh, it was uh, Billy Gunn. He went to sit down and he sat on top of him and he literally told him, (laughs) "Why don't you grow a little bit?" (laughs) Like he can't. He's like, "No," and then he says, "No one sees him." Luchasaurus comes up to Marco Stunt and says, I've been dealing with bullying for 65 million years. Uh, Actually, Jungle Boy does this thing where he kind of sniffs him and plays with his hair. Like he was an animal trying to recognize him. And then uh, Luchasaurus says, I've been dealing with bullying for 65 million years. We got your back, which I found out this from another AEW show called everything elite that Luchasaurus, when he was in the WWE, uh, there was the bullying thing uh, with one of their trainers, uh, and he's the one that w- was the whistleblower. So this goes along with the luchasaurus, who he is as a person. So Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, uh, that is all shouts out to everything Elite on the Voices of Wrestling. I wouldn't have known that if they hadn't brought it out. I Like I said, I listen to their show every week because, you know, it's, it's it, it enhances my show. And so I definitely, they go off and walk together. So that's why you got a boy, a boy and the dinosaur. So that works out. And uh, it it added more to that. And then Bucks accepted the Lucha Bros uh, ladder match. And they said they've beaten the Hardy Boys in the ladder match. They've been in ladder wars. And then they go to making fun of uh, Pentagon's... uh, Sierra meadow he's like you got people yelling and he's like to get in your head we have to become you and then the next thing you see is you see them wearing the lucha bros mask and that leads to basically the match is on uh escalera de la muerta i guess that's what they're gonna call the actual match for the triple a tag team championship hanging from a ladder I'm hoping this is the last time the AAA tag belts are defended in AEW, as in I'm hoping we get our belts fairly soon. But that was it. That caught you up on two weeks of being the elite. I know you watched it, Amy. Did you have any thoughts about being the elite?
1: I loved the buildup with SCU and the Lucha Bros. Loved the buildup with the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros. I got to say, you know, with the librarian thing, I totally understand why people don't get it because like, I'm going to go on a tiny tangent here and I'm going to try and retain it as much as possible. Go for it. (laughs) Um, So the, the, the problem that we have is that like, they're filling this in on being the elite, which makes sense because that's the best way that they have to reach their audience that follows them regularly. We all watch it. We all get it. But When they put on their pay-per-view shows, that's reaching a new audience who's checking them out, who isn't watching Being the Elite. There's a lot of people there who are watching these pay-per-views who don't watch Being the Elite, so they wouldn't get that joke at all. All they see is a bad gimmick that's out on a pre-show for no reason, and they don't get that. So I, I totally understand that disconnect there. I personally actually love Peter Avalon as the librarian, Leva Bates as the librarian, them working together, totally growing on me. And that's in spite of the fact that I actually work with libraries. And so I'm constantly like, but that's not what happens at a library. So, all of that aside, like, I do love the gimmick. I love Peter Avalon. I love the like sort of love situation that they have, this like unrequited love kind of thing. Like, I really love the little drama story that they have playing in the background. But I absolutely understand that people don't get the in joke. And I think it's going to be challenging when you're trying to get your funny joke over that requires a couple of steps of thinking in order to understand it. I think it's going to be difficult for people to get that joke if they have to do work to figure it out.
0: Yes, and i I have to actually agree with that I mean that's a as an insider as someone that watches all the shows i I get that gets lost on me sometimes, so maybe they have someone that's in, you know, work on BTE to clip together all the things that have led to the librarian gimmick and maybe put that on the AEW site or AEW YouTube and point people to that to at least get a little more knowledge out there.
1: Oh, for sure. Because it's a fun joke. It's a fun gimmick, yeah. especially if you get the joke. It's hilarious. But it takes getting that joke. And I think that this week's Being the Elite, where they were sort of parodying John Moxley, with Vince McMahon, which again, you would have also had to listen to Jericho's podcast in order to understand. But I loved that they did that because then it sort of let you know what the situation is with the librarians. And I think that if they make that a little clearer uh, for people who maybe aren't certain, then I think that'll do a lot in letting people know just what the gimmick's for, why it's there, and why it's so bad it's good
0: yes and you know like i said it's funny Uh, that's a completely different take that i didn't think about you know like at all that's that's awesome that that comes out yeah because i don't think sometimes i can't think like someone most of the time i can i'm pretty good at it but Sometimes I can't think of like someone that doesn't watch the, sh- you know, watch BTE, watch Road Two. I am so involved, especially when it comes to the stuff getting prepared for this show. That it's like, oh, that's the joke. How do you not get it? Oh, you don't watch BTE. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I watch all of them. I love them, but I could definitely see where there's a disconnect. And hopefully when they do their weekly TNT shows, they did mention that they weren't sure that they would have as much time to devote to being the elite, even though they love doing it. So maybe we'll start to see more of that as a cohesive unit on their TNT weekly shows.
0: Yeah, maybe we see the skits, maybe like, during the show or whatever, and that would be that would be good, because then people would understand that this character is basically, like I said, a WWE character on a show that it doesn't fit. The fact that it doesn't fit is the thing. That's what it goes. It's supposed to come off awkward.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be Dean Ambrose in a gas mask getting vaccinations in his butt. It's supposed to be good shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be bad. It's just it's supposed to be something yeah, so it's supposed to be bad and you're supposed to laugh at it and you're supposed to hate it. And you know, Fight for the Fallen, they were getting major heat and it, it was working the way they wanted it to work. But like I said, I listened to a lot of I listened to a lot of reviews 'cause I wanted to hear as many different takes as I can. And one of the takes was like the librarians gotta go and I'm like, No, no, because it's just not every, I mean, I know there's people out there that are hardcore wrestling fans, and they want super serious sports-related wrestling all the time. But there are people out there that think the librarians are hilarious. They're not going to be, as I was say, they're not, <laughs> me, me, I laugh at it. They might not be in your circle, but the thing is, they're trying to They're trying to reach as many different people with as many different tastes as possible, and the the uh, the market for a straight wrestling program with nothing funny and nothing like that is very small.
1: Dude, even New Japan has Yano. You yeah, need yeah, something yeah. to yeah. break it up.
0: Yeah, Taiichi, Yano. Even my mm-hmm. Moxley's different, you know, because yeah. shit, he's outside the ring half the time in his matches. So it's just like you have you have to understand it is a variety show. So if it's something you don't like, just wait about five minutes. It'll, they'll move on to the next thing.
1: <laughs> exactly. And it'll be really fun, and it gives you that time to recharge as you get next into the heavy-hitting match. Because honestly, I need somewhat of a break in those emotional matches. It's like when we watched Double or Nothing, and we had Cody and Dustin, and it was super emotional. And then we had you know the Young Bucks coming out. And that was sort of a breath of fresh air in between Cody and Dustin and Kenny Omega and Jericho and Moxley. You know, you need to have something that kind of breaks up that flow.
0: Yeah, and you see what happens when it's not done, right? You get that whole Hangman and Kip Sabian thing after the triple threat match. There was no break to re-energize. So a really good match kind of got, came off flat.
1: Exactly. So now we've got, our road to all out and we've got yep. highlights that you have kindly set up here yes. from the road to all out. We've
0: the, got, they're much shorter. Shows. It, I was just going to say they're much shorter shows. Yeah. So, so they're not, they're like, it uh, out. yeah, they're only seven to 10 minutes we get in that first show. So we get highlights from fight for the fallen. Uh, we get Tony Schiavone, which was, amazing in the AEW control center. And I'm hoping we get that as a regular thing. I love the AEW control center. It's much like sports center. And he's talking about the hangman and Kip Sabian match. And he made it way more interesting than it came off to a lot of people while watching it. Cause they broke it down. He hit the highlights and you know, hangman winning. Then he goes into Jericho attacking him, which was uh great. Uh, we, we go and then we show uh Hangman cutting this badass promo. Now, I, you know, I've talked about the name, but this was where, if you're not all that familiar, and then it kind of stinks because it is on YouTube, this is him as a star. He cuts this badass promo, pulls the stitch out. You see him bleeding in the sink, talking about, he's going to look at this wound and look at it every day until until all out and he's gonna become champion and I was like, Okay. Now I see it. I see what they see. You know? I, I and I thought that was really good, uh, with Hangman there. Then we get Spears uh interview. Uh pretty much he played out what he said. He got to talk to Jim Ross, said it was an honor to talk to him. Glad he came and he said it was the good hand comment. And he he said it's something like in our circle you can say, you can say you're a good hand, but it's not something you're supposed to say in front of other people. And it's I love this. This was refreshing because this is so real life. You know, it's like it's certain you have your group of friends, male or female, and you have this friend that's kind of an asshole or whatever. And everyone knows it. Or whatever. But you're never <laughs> supposed to say it. Right. And if you or you you can say it in the circle, but you like, oh, you meet his new you, you meet these new people. and You're like, oh, man, my friend's an asshole. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not supposed to say that. And it's just like it's a very real. Yes. That guy would get mad at you for saying, even though we understand it, you're not supposed to tell other people that crap. So, yes. And it was like it was a very real moment. Very real. Like, yes, that's why he has a problem with him. And then how it introduced, and he says, I had an ace up my sleeve, and Tully Blanchard walking out there. And, you know, and Tully Blanchard is who he is to the 80s fans. He cuts a huge presence. And then he says, interview over. That just reminded me of a backstage interview back in the 80s. It was such a, like, oh, we have a plan. We're not going to let you know what it is. And I thought that was a great way to end episode one. It left me wanting more. And then we got episode two. We got uh uh we get Havoc Allen uh Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allen, Joey Janella getting into a fight. Now we get announced that they're gonna have a three way match at all out. Uh Tully Blanchard discusses his agenda or lack thereof in helping Spears. When I say lack thereof, he says he doesn't have a problem with Cody. You know, he likes Cody. But Spears respected him enough to ask him for help, which is, you know, why he's like yeah i see the talent there i mean if you look at sean spears like if you don't think about tn and you don't think about how long he's worked he's a big good looking fit dude you know what i mean of course i can i can mold that into somebody that uh is uh you know going to be successful and that show their symbiotic relationship you know he's gonna help him tully blanchard kind of stays relevant and then you get Chris Van Bleet in the AEW Control Center, talks about the feud between Moxley and Kenny Omega. Again, perfect for someone that might not know everything. If you have a friend that is not as familiar with AEW, please point to them, them to these shows. Then Moxley cuts this promo on Kenny. He says, dude, we're not in a video game. You only get one life. And he says he's going to Japan. He's like he doesn't believe, he's like it's the myth of Kenny Omega, and he's like he doesn't know whether he believes in it or not, but he's taking it serious. That's why he's going over to Japan and wrestle because he wants to f- walk in the path of Kenny the to understand Kenny Omega. And he's like, I might be a joke, but this joke's gonna break your jaw. And I just thought John Moxley right now promo God. I think he's the number one promo in wrestling right now because it's it's a character he has developed and he understands and it comes across in everything that he says. But
1: dude, yeah. these video packages are amazing and Moxley's promo, I just got to say this real quick. So like Moxley's in New Japan right now. He's fighting in the G1 tournament. Kenny Omega was a massive star in New Japan, regularly main eventing Wrestle Kingdom, which is their WrestleMania. And for Moxley to go to Japan to walk in Kenny's shoes, so to speak, and walk his path, not only in Japan, but in the G1. The G1, they are putting on match of the year quality candidate matches every single night of the G1. And Moxley, for him to say, I may be a joke, this dude is sitting here for a new Japan audience for people who were skeptical of John Moxley, just waltzing in to new Japan and entering in the G one without the accolades are voting him in right alongside with Ishii as the MVP of the G one tournament right now.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Dave Meltzer's, uh, Dave Meltzer's, uh, newsletter came out his match with Ishii not gonna say the winner just in case you be spoiled but he got rated five stars and he hadn't you know this was his first five star match in his career and you know nothing even got close to five stars when he was in the WWE so he's motivated and people are paying attention and it's you know it's showing when he's in the ring
1: Absolutely, and it's also showing that when you've got somebody who is a bona fide star, such as Kenny Omega, in this world, you know, WWE, when you look at wrestlers, you appreciate their talent, you appreciate the fact that they are incredible athletes, but there's so much around the show of WWE that you kind of lose sight on the prestige of it because WWE treats it in a different way. New Japan tends to sort of focus on that prestige of in-ring technicians so kenny omega is a masterful wrestler so to have a guy come from the wwe go immediately into a hardcore training camp in vegas and then immediately go from that to the g1 in new japan shows that he's serious shows that he's a formidable threat and based on the success that he has garnered in the g1 so far is not only great for him on a personal level and for him, you know, in his career and everything, but for this particular match, just this little specific area, it builds up to an incredible match for people who know of Kenny Omega's potential in like that Japanese crazy style of wrestling. And then seeing Moxley excel in that too. This is going to be a match of the night for me heading into it. I don't know what in the world could possibly top Moxley versus Omega at all out. I'm sure they'll do it, but Holy, wow. They are building up to something incredible here with this one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when it comes down to it, it's, it's the most anticipated match it's like it, it, everything in my guts like this should be the world title match. You know what i mean? It's like it it should be and i'm like i i understand hangman, i understand jericho and they'll do a better job of building it up more over the next month and few days but it's just like right now the hot matches are oh it, it, clearly hot matches are Moxley and Omega and Cody and Sean Spears. Those are much more of anticipated and hot matches than the said world title match, which should be the most important match. So hopefully they do a little better than that. Um, the matches announced for All Out so far. I just kind of put it out there so we could have this on each week. We got Hangman Page versus Chris Jericho, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega, the Best Friends versus the Dark Order. The winner gets a bye in the AEW tag team title tournament. We get the Lucha Bros versus <clears throat> the Young Bucks in the latter match for the AAA Tag titles. We get Cody Rhodes versus Sean Spears. And then we got Darby Allen versus Joey Janela versus Jimmy Havoc in a triple threat match. So we've yet to get a women's match. I know the the woman's uh, the woman's title Will be presented at AEW uh, at All Out, so we definitely know that. But those are the matches in lineup. It's actually a really good card so far.
1: Absolutely, and I am really looking forward to seeing what they have in store as far as women's matches. Because based on Fight for the Fallen, you've got a situation with B Priestley and Britt Baker, which could be outstanding. We also have a setup for Aja Kong and Ali. Elites, <laughs> sometimes try, I almost said Ali fact, Ali Elite and Aja Kong versus Brandi Rhodes and Awesome Kong. So it looks like Awesome Kong, based on the media work that Brandy Rhodes has done this week and in the photos and Twitter posts that she has made with her and Awesome Kong, that they are a duo now. Awesome Kong is in AEW. She's made a couple of appearances, but it seems like now they've got her on the promotional circuits with TV Guide. They've got her running photos, shoots with Brandy Rhodes. She is with AEW now by all looks, by all appearances.
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's awesome. She brings, um, and no pun intended, she brings credibility to the women's division. Uh, whenever you're going to need, you get your women's champion and you're going to need a threat for the title. Awesome Kong's always going to be able to play that role because, you know, she's who she is. I mean, that's, she's always going to be able to play that pivotal role. So uh, she adds a lot to the company and she makes Brandy more formidable as a wrestler. And it was, uh, like I said, it was very funny. I've seen people point out that Brandy, was a heel wrestler. And then she comes out for the, the check thing at the end of the fighter for the fallen. I'm just like, I, I, it's like, people don't understand complicated characters. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I know people. And it's like, I, I mean, I like, if you play PlayStation with them and they're playing, you, they're talking crap, they're running you down. They hate you. And then as soon as the game's over, they're like, Hey man, you want me to help you change your flat tire? Some people are just vicious competitors
1: yeah. That's what
0: Brandy Rhodes is. I'm like, I don't understand how this is a difficult concept. She's just a vicious competitor. She's well, a- she's a
1: vicious competitor who's also the brand officer for AEW. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, she's going to come out with a check presentation. And then, you know, like, you can keep different ideas in your head. Like, oh, dude, she yeah. was a total punk in this match. Oh, cool. Look, they're donating $150,000 to charity. Awesome.
0: No one is one thing. No yeah. one. No one. Whoever you talk about, no one is just one thing. People are complicated people, and we like to see that in wrestling. We love to see John Moxley dropping the crap out of Shoto Amina, and It's like, dude, I like how you fight. You're now my sidekick. Yes,
1: <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs>
0: yes, like I, I I know I'm using a New Japan reference, but it's like the most appropriate one. It's He's like so he, cute. He, yes, and it's like, hey, you're my sidekick now. It's like yep. yes. <laughs> when we're in the ring, we compete. When we're out of the ring, and, you know, I might take a few shortcuts when we're in the ring. When we're out of the ring, hey, we can be buddies. So that's exactly. how that's how it works. And it's like, yeah, I I to use another New Japan's example. Kenta is freaking vicious when he wrestles. Then after the match, he wants to shake your hand. <laughs> well, just a second ago, you were trying to kick my face in. <laughs> I don't know if I want to shake your hand after that, but, hey. <laughs> buddy no no it's just i've really enjoyed the g1 i know this is not a new japan show but we have a AEW person in it so i am always flexible to talk about it enough uh john moxley has been amazing but the g1 has been amazing if anyone if you're listening to the show and you don't keep up with new japan give it a shot uh it's just it's just so good just so good
1: million percent agree (laughs) absolutely it's so especially with moxley in it you get to see like if if you loved moxley coming out at double or nothing and if you've loved moxley's promos in the road to shows get a taste of what he's doing get a taste of who this guy is because seriously when i look at dean ambrose i see a dude in wwe doing vince mcmahon things when i see john moxley in the g1 I see an animal force that's been unleashed on the world and he is hungry and it is incredible to see and feel that energy. So man, watch Moxley, check it out check out what new japan has to offer because also that gives you sort of some context as to kenny omega and you know the joshi wrestling wrestling scene and some of the people that kenny omega might end up bringing over from japan whether they're from new japan or ddt there's a whole world of wrestling out there and it's converging in all elite wrestling and it really feels like a worldwide experience and part of that's wrapped up in new japan too Yeah.
0: yeah absolutely Uh, last thing before we go, I, I thought of this, but I didn't write it down. Vince McMahon yesterday at the WWE quarterly said, uh, WWE wasn't going back to the attitude area. He then called his product a more sophisticated product and that he wasn't going to go blood and guts like some of their competitors. What do you think of AEW being called bloods and blood and guts? I
1: think that there's a couple of things here that are really telling. One of them is that AEW is competition for the WWE. A lot of people have wanted to put that off for a long time or to dismiss it or to minimize it. If Vince McMahon is speaking in his quarterly financial calls to his shareholders about their competition, their direction, their ratings, their story, and they mention AEW as competition they are competition. Second, yes, they're going to sort of try to minimize that. They're going to try to do anything they can to be like, yeah, we're above this other company. We're not, you know, down and tawdry like these people are. They do have an audience that caters to sort of PG wrestling. And the audience for AEW is one that has felt that An exciting, thrilling, on-the-edge-of-your-seat style of wrestling has been lacking for a long time. So, yes, there is a difference there, but I also don't think that, you know, AEW is going to be all blood all the time, but some of it's going to be a part of it. But I think that's what draws people into it. It's not there for shock value. It's there to tell a story. It's there to play along in a match and it adds to it. And I'm saying this as a person who does not like blood. I am very squeamish when it comes to blood on wrestlers. I cannot stand it. I don't mind it here because it feels like it has a purpose. It's not just there for shock value.
0: Yes, I definitely agree. I um when it comes down to it, it's just it's pro wrestling like we understood it. It's basically you you saying in a way, Vince McMahon saying his most uh, profitable and exciting uh, cre- uh, time as a wrestling promoter and as a wrestling company was unsophisticated. Now. Yeah. yeah, Kind of
1: crazy for somebody who keeps trying to bring the people from that era back at yeah. every beck and call.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You're calling it unsophisticated. And the thing is, I don't know about anybody else. Wrestling has never been sophisticated, you know? It's not supposed to be. It's, it's not, I mean, the suit and tie people are welcome, don't get me wrong, but it's not for them. It's wrestling. It's a, it's a live-action soap opera. It's a story where when uh, your friend says something and insults you, you hit him over the head with a chair. You know, that's it's not it's a fight. It's a it's, fight. It's, yeah. it's not sophisticated. It's grimy. It's it's messy. It's messy. And that's what I want in my wrestling. And I think when he said that, when he says WWE is a sophisticated product, I think he told me why I don't enjoy it as much as I used to.
1: Exactly, because it feels yeah. sterile. Yes. It if, feels if, like a, a, a Disney plastic toy. It doesn't yeah. feel like the emotional, compelling story. It doesn't feel realistic. You're trying to be something like you're not.
0: You're trying to be something you're not, and that's that annoys me. Then I also saw one one thing that goes along with this. WWE's t-shirt merchandise sale is, is down 9%. Now, and you were like, what does that have to do with AEW? Pro Wrestling Tees works very closely with AEW. You know who's not having problems selling T-shirts?
1: <laughs> the T-shirt company.
0: <laughs> yes, and you know what WWE wrestlers are doing? Opening up stores on Pro Wrestling Tees because they realize their products suck. You got the Major's Wrestling Figure Podcast, which is Zack Ryder, uh, which is uh, Zach Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. Revival, AKA FTR started their shirt uh, store today. Think about that. You have people in your company choosing to go to another company to sell their shirts so they actually can make good shirts that people want to buy. Yep. Just saying. <laughs> yep, Okay.
1: Real quickly then, before we go, can we talk about the Raw Reunion show real quick? Yes. Because, all right. So Twitter at first was like, no, this was something else. And I'm still convinced that this is what it was. All right. So to set the stage here, you've got the Raw Reunion show, which essentially means bringing back as many Attitude Era stars as possible and having this great reunion show. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was a reunion show i liked the reunion aspect of it that said (laughs) that said there was a point where they had braun strowman come out for a three-minute squash match to a jobber that they called randy rhodes on commentary and then i believe it was Corey graves was like oh no no it was supposed to be randy Rowe," and then people on twitter were like yeah no it wasn't a shot at Brandi Rhodes or Cody Rhodes or any of the Rhodes it was for Randy Rowe so I look up Randy Rowe and I'm like really so WWE is gonna bring out a bunch of attitude era people and then pay tribute to a guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne that passed away three months ago for a name that sounds very similar to the Rhodes family and then have him in a squash match like I might be wrong on this and if I am I apologize if I'm being insensitive, but it seems a little coincidental to have a show filled with Attitude Era people take a shot in a squash match at a jobber named similarly to a member of the Rhodes family with a hard S right after they declared war on the Attitude Era.
0: Yep. 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 So it, it was, was as I say, it was not lost <laughs> on me. Uh, it was not at all lost on me. I. It's funny because it's like they're coming off. I'm not gonna say they're not. They're they're trying to address it the best way they can. I'm not gonna say they're threatened, but they're trying to address it the best way they can. And you know, I don't. The WWE. The thing about it is their playbook about what they're going to do to try to limit. Uh, try to limit AEW. AEW already has. AEW is very friendly with Dave Meltzer. No one knows the wrestling business better than Dave Meltzer. So, that being said, they're going to know everything the WWE is going to do. They're counter-programming, they're trying to book shows in the different currents, you know, close cities. They're going to know it all, because WWE has been doing the same shit for 30 years. 40 years! (laughs) So, it's like, like, okay, yes, there is such thing as called counter-counter. Because, think about it is, if you just put on, like, okay, WWE, it's like, oh, we're going to put on this show at the same time. But when that show's not as good as the AEW show, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. Because people are going to watch which one's better. That's what you're going to get your excitement. They did the Evolve show, and the Evolve show was a really good show. But it was just like, but the AEW fans aren't going to be like, oh, well, I'm not watching this because Evolve's on. It's like, I'll watch Evolve later. <laughs> I think exactly. it's, not a, it's not a big deal. It's just like, come on, come on. We live in it. Back 30 years ago, when you literally had to decide which one you were going to watch, because if you didn't watch it right then, you had to wait three months for it to show up on VHS. Now we have this thing called DVR and streaming sites and some illegal streaming sites. You can watch whatever you want when you want to watch it.
1: Absolutely, man. And if they want to take shots at each other while they're doing this, more, please, because at this point, now that WWE is fired back, if AEW does end up taking a shot at WWE, I ain't even mad. This is entertaining as hell. This yeah, it's, is fun. <laughs> this
0: is war. When companies <laughs> yeah. compete, the inter- entertainment is better. When companies compete, everyone enjoys their show more. I don't understand why WWE fans don't want competition. I don't understand why AEW fans don't want competition, because competition drives ideas. Giving Austin the ball and letting him run with it, direct, direct reaction to WCW, you know, DX and all these, the edgier product that we ended up getting was a direct reaction to WCW and Goldberg getting pushed, you know, you know, and then we got the Hogan versus Goldberg in the Georgia Dome on a Monday night direct reaction to WWE getting the ratings back. I mean, I can, I mean, I loved this time in history and I lived it. So I, I have very, I can have details. So please just enjoy this competition. Don't take it personally and please don't be mean to each other on Twitter. I know that it's almost pointless for me to say, because people are still going to be mean to each other on Twitter, but I'm still going to say this wrestling, AEW WWE is for everybody If someone doesn't like something that you don't like, you will live. It's all entertainment. Stop being mean to each other.
1: It's going to be okay. It's It's going to be be awesome.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right. As I say, I know a lot of people that think Cody is a three-star wrestler, and I'm like, I don't care. I still love him.
1: (laughs) Dude, and there are people who don't think Kenny Omega is one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I'm like, that's cool. I do. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, we got so much to look forward to with All Out. We've got so much to look forward to with these incredible jaw-dropping production values and their Road to videos. We've got new antics for Being the Elite coming up. I can't wait to see how they address both CM Punk and the Raw Reunion show. This is going to be a really fun Being the Elite episode, I think. And yeah, we've got, man, All Out coming up in less than a month, man.
0: Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to it. Wrestling is, you know, this is it. And it's like, this is about to be the most exciting time ever. Uh, When I said I was going to the first TV taping crystals, you know, I was like, this is, this is, you know, how many times this happens in uh, history, you know, in our lifetime, like none, you know, a major company backed by a billionaire having their first TV show. This has happened exactly zero times. So, I'm going to be there for it, and I hope everyone enjoys it, and yeah, we'll be here to talk talk about it, definitely.
1: Absolutely, man, and I can't wait, and we'll see each other again at StarCast and All Out. In Chicago, we're already planning meetups. We're already planning watch parties. We're already planning StarCast stuff. So make sure you hit up All Things Elite on Twitter. Make sure you check out StarCast's Twitter. And, of course, All Elite Wrestling's Twitter to keep abreast of everything that's happening and everything that's going down in Chicago.
0: All right. Well, first, I would like to shout out my new wife, Crystal, who probably won't even listen to the show. Very happy that I'm with her. But I want to say to everyone, whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.